Hi, welcome to Nobody Asked Us, where two friends try to figure out all the things that fascinate, annoy, and baffle us. So join me, Rachel. And me, Sanaz. As we delve into all the things that nobody asked us what we really wanted to share. So today, we are taking a little trip down memory lane. Um, We are going to be talking about social media. So this is something we talk a lot about because we both came up at a very specific time in social media being introduced into our lives. So we were freshmen in college when Facebook debuted and our, the school we went to was one of like the first 12 schools to get Facebook. But we had this whole adolescence up until then where, you know what, we had like IMs and stuff, but that wasn't really (laughs) whatever. We had AOL aim and, and MSN, don't forget MSN. And MSN, I wasn't really big on MSN, but um, that was more that was the, the Euro thing. It was the Euro thing. I remember my like European friends would have that. Yes, yeah, uh, that's why I try to be cool. I'm talking to my friends in Germany on MSN. So we had that, but it wasn't really that big of like a part of our lives. And I just remember getting Facebook, which was like very new. I hadn't heard of it until we like got to college. And I remember making my first Facebook profile and just being absolutely fascinated by it. Just like things that you like, just all the information about other people that you would normally have to ask them was just kind of all out there. And it was just this totally new thing. And I think that our experience in that way is pretty unique because you know, people who are even just like a year or so younger than us, they had that in high school. And I just imagine that that must be a totally different experience being socialized in that way. And nowadays, you know, people have completely grown up with it. Like they don't know a world without social media. Um, So I think we've been on a bit of an interesting journey. Like it's very familiar to us, but it wasn't part of our most earliest formative years. I remember, Rachel, the very first time I heard about Facebook. So we had, you know, pub on campus, so like kind of a bar on campus. Mm-hmm. And I was there with several classmates. And one of them said the word Facebook. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, you know how sometimes you're sitting in class and you wonder what like people's names are? It's like an online yearbook. And I was like, oh, that is so useful. Yeah. <laughs> and fast forward, like, you know, two decades and there's like genocide in Myanmar. (laughs) Like I just, I go back to that moment where I'm like, that would be so useful (laughs) to where it got to. And this is, this is really fascinating because obviously it's affected our lives. I mean, everybody's lives over the last two decades immensely. Um, Mm -hmm. You and I are kind of very different in our approaches to this, I would say Mm -hmm. too, which I think is what makes good, you know, conversation and dialogue about it because, um, we see things kind of differently. Like I'm definitely more pessimistic about it and you are much more savvy and, you know, kind of see the benefits. So anyway, I thought it would be great to discuss this as two people who um, were really that ripe age for the introduction of things like Facebook and then everything else that came after that. Yeah. I mean, speaking of our like different perspectives on it, I think that we also, we are at exactly the point in time where you could kind of take it or leave it. You're right. I think we're the last age group where it didn't have a detriment to your personal friend group by not being on social media because we were used to Mm -hmm. calling each other, texting each other, 
And so chances are you've heard about a party via text message, phone call, et cetera. Talking to my younger cousins who are like teens and early 20s, if they're not on Snapchat, like there's no other way they communicate with each other. So if you choose to be outside of those apps, then you don't have a, another kind of communication channel to fall back on. And I can see mm -hmm. that being a lot harder. It's like, well, I'll only hear about the party if I'm on Facebook. Or I'll only get the messages if I'm on Snapchat. I'm like, oh, I get it. Like that is a lot harder because I don't ever feel excluded from my friend group just because I'm not on social media. I miss out on birthdays. I don't see photos. I have no idea you got a new dog. There was a period of that for us, actually. I remember that in like, it was before Facebook got tainted. It was like maybe like 2008 to 2010, 12-ish, where yeah. like you would have a party and you would invite people on Facebook. Like you would make the invitation on Facebook and like that's what yeah. you would do. And if somebody wasn't on Facebook, you'd be like, ugh, I have to email them. I totally get the not being on social media thing. Like I have always felt like that's one of my least cool qualities is that like I'm so fascinated <laughs> by it. I just love to kind of watch other people. So I got <laughs> off social media, I want to say like five, six years ago now. And do you know what the thing that surprised me the most about like I'll call it the withdrawal phase in the beginning is that I would be doing the most random thing. Like, let's say I'm like cleaning my house or something. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, I'd be like, I wonder what Susie's up to. And it's like, this is someone I, I went to high school with. I don't talk to anymore. I don't even have their cell phone number. But for some reason, I'm curious about like <laughs> seeing what's going on in their life in that weird voyeuristic sense. And I was like, why do I have this impulse to do so? Right? Like, what is it about wanting to like check up on people in your general circle that you're not even in contact with? Because if it was a friend, I yeah. wouldn't know what's going on because we'd be talking. And I remember those moments kept popping up in my head in the first few months after I got off. I was like, this is so bizarre. Like it wasn't, I didn't miss seeing stuff about my friends or even posting things, which I never did a lot anyway. But I was like, why do I care to find out about the randos that I don't talk to anyway? Did you, I mean, I- Voyeurism. I wonder if like, is it voyeurs? I wouldn't even call it voyeurs. I would call it more just like observation. Being nosy? <laughs> because, because, no, it's not even being nosy. It's just like, like to see like what people like are up to, what their tastes are, what they're like read or like even like with more content based ones like Twitter or something like what they like, what they uh, yeah. promote, yeah. what they say, um, what pictures they put up. Like it's people are pretty interested. I mean, you know. I don't know. So-and-so has a kid now. That's interesting. Like, right. Right. You know, I, I, just, I, would, I feel like voyeurism sounds like a little creepy. <laughs> it does. It does. Sound, I mean, I mean it from the aspect of like, you can just check up people's profile and, and see yeah. the things that they volunteer to share. So you're right. It's not really voyeurism, but I'm just thinking like, for example, I know like my mom and my aunt, for example, are not anywhere near social media, nor do they care. And I'm just thinking like, if I sat them down with like, a bulleted list of things about someone they went to high school with. And I was like, let me report to you on this rando. They'd just be like, why am I hearing this? Like, I don't even think they'd be fascinated <laughs> the way that I felt somehow fascinated to just, like you said, curiosity to see what people are up to. For me personally, it was just more that I felt like seeing that perception of other people and in your head interpreting it as they're having the best time ever and their life is amazing. Mm -hmm. I just found that for me that felt unhealthy compared to the benefits of it. Like that's where I kind of landed and got off. And it was also like mm. after breakups and you, know, you see like the person with somebody else. And I, I, I don't know, it was just like 
why am I privy to all this info that actually doesn't make me good? You know, you see people that you are classmates with and all of a sudden they're hanging out and they're like, why didn't they invite me? And it's like, well, you didn't even want to see them anyway. I just, it got to the point that the mm. excessive information made me feel worse about myself than the benefits of having that extra knowledge or insight. So that was kind of my decision to get yeah. off. Um, I, I think that that's a pretty, that's a pretty common one. And I think that it's actually like a pretty serious thing on the macro level. Like if you look at um, studies of like teenage mental health. Yes. So especially with teenage girls and they specifically, some of the research ties it specifically to Instagram because it's so image based, but mm -hmm. teenage girls experience a lot like, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's like something that like near half of teenage girls experience like serious anxiety or depression. And it's linked to social media use in some way. I'm going to misquote this research and I'll have to look this up and add it as an addendum. Mm -hmm. um, but be like directly tied to social media. And it's because of these, I think specifically Instagram yeah, promotes a kind of it's the pictures and it's this kind of curated uh, mode. I think that TikTok, for example, is something that it, it, it does seem much healthier. Like the like the the mode of being on TikTok is to be real and to be candid, and those are like the people that are pop. Like there's definitely like whatever hot people that are popular on TikTok, but it's not like portraying this very glossy version of your life. And I think right. like, that is harmful on a macro level, but I also totally get where you like, you're like not feeling great or like, yeah, gone through a breakup. You definitely don't want to be seeing, there's definitely information that in, in, in analog times, there's no reason for you to know and probably no, and for the better. Nothing like, yeah, like I remember I saw photos of someone I did with somebody else and I was like, I was perfectly fine this Ugh. morning. And yet with this knowledge, I don't enjoy my afternoon. I'm like, there is no, no reason for this. Like <laughs> that is such absolutely. a day ruiner. <laughs> right. And you're like, I just, I didn't need this. I was fine before. This is so not helping me. So that really bothered me. The other, the other observation I had once I got off was especially traveling with friends that are mm -hmm. really into posting, especially like the Instagram photos and stuff where it's like, can I just fucking eat my meal or do you have to mm -hmm. memorialize every goddamn risotto? Like that, yeah. that, that kind of surprised me where I was like, are you taking the picture? Cause you enjoy this or because it serves a purpose or a symbol for you to post about. It? Yeah. That's a tough balance though. Right. Because yeah. I, I particularly, I, I like, like curation of like, I don't have like a big Instagram presence, but I like to do the stories because you can be really creative with them and like put text and be funny um, mm -hmm. and be clever with them. And it's a way to keep your memories. And I like being able to kind of have a record of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you're doing something just for the gram, that's right. That can get unhealthy. And, some, and at some point, you know, are you actually, are you in the moment? Are you enjoying what you're doing? Or are you worried about how it's going to look? And I think that exactly. that's a real issue. Um, that is an issue with people in general. I've, I've definitely gone on vacations with like groups and we just like people spend a long time, like everybody's posing for pictures in front of things. And I'm just like, oh, I don't particularly like. I know, I know. <laughs> I love watching Instagram husbands. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, the guy that has to like 
take a million photos. Yeah. Part. Oh my God. I, well, I don't know, you know why what? I'm fascinated by that. You know what? That's a good man. <laughs> that's a good man. See, that's a really good point of like, it, you feel creative putting your stories together because I think part of my cynicism is just that I was never good at it nor mm. felt really comfortable with the medium. So I was just like, Ugh, like I, I gotta get out of here. Right. I don't know. I even, even like in the early days of Facebook, I always felt secondhand embarrassment reading other people's posts on Facebook. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, like I was like reading it out loud. I'm like cringy. Yeah, well, there's a certain type of one where people are like very like, this is my soapbox. Yes. yes. Or like, um, really? I Okay, this is gonna, I'm gonna like insult people unintentionally, but, and I don't mean to, but like a really like, like really earnest posts. I just feel like, oh God. I know, I know. Are there any platforms that you've ever cottoned onto or is like social media just never really been your thing? It's never been my thing. I definitely, you know, embraced Facebook like the rest of us early on where I'd go on a trip and I'd make sure to have like a summary album of photos. And once in a while I posted what I thought were witty posts, but like mm -hmm. I never really caught on. Instagram was even worse for me because I think that like portrayal in photos, I also just, I don't know, I'm not a great photographer. I'm not like... Mm. just my goal isn't to capture things in an image per se. Like some people are just really good at it. Really, really talented. And they find creativity in that. That never worked. LinkedIn. I mean, I technically have LinkedIn just because from a work oh, perspective, LinkedIn. Oh, the worst. that's just, that's, <laughs> that's, that's become accessible as well. Um, that's my, that's my least favorite one. Cause everybody is such a dork on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say like Instagram was the reason I needed to quote go sober. <laughs> And yeah. I never did anything after that. I, I, I feel more comfortable on Instagram just because I have more of my social circle on there. Like, okay. I feel like, but I really like reading Twitter. And I think that like one day mm. I'm going to get the courage. Maybe we'll do it for this podcast account, but uh, one mm -hmm. day I'll get the courage to like put my thoughts into tweet form. I like the multimedia aspect of Instagram or Instagram stories okay. in particular. I always, I like Snapchat too, for that reason. Like you have a picture and you can draw on it and you can put music and you can write on it. Like I mm -hmm. like that. But Twitter, I've always found a little intimidating because it's all journalists and politicians and it's like their work accounts and like they're showing right. off for each other. Well, for all the listeners out there, like we have very uh, different skill sets for this podcast. So you're all about the social media promotion, getting us oh, out yeah. there, making us look good. I'm over here like scheduling us and editing the, yeah. <laughs> the actual episodes. So, yeah, we have different skill sets. Yeah, give us sure. some give it you can you can give us some feedback on how the how the the Twitter, the fitter, my fitter. Fitter is <laughs> landing. This Twitter will be my fitter. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The other channel I thought we'd talk about is dating apps. Oh, my favorite. Your favorite. Can you sense the sarcasm? Yeah. This one for me is like the most, ugh, I don't like, I hate it. <laughs> I don't know how mm -hmm. else to say it. I, I, once again, don't feel skilled at it. Don't feel like I would pick well, people would choose me. Well, like, I just do not at all feel like this fits for me. And I think it's really, really affected the way we interact and just socialize even like I 
again, I think for our age group, I felt like I got off social media with sort of minimal impact on my personal life. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I still talk to the friends that I want to, yeah. I can still look up stuff. You send me funny things all the time, whatever. Yeah. But not being on dating apps still affects the way that I would date, right? Because when everybody else around you is on them, it just changes behavior. And that's just always kind of annoyed me. I don't know. How do you feel about them? Um. So I, I, I find them annoying too. I just find them to kind of take the fun out of dating and mm-hmm. in a way that, or out of meeting people because it feels like answering emails, right? To me, yeah. like the messaging thing. And then you have to go meet them. And then you're just like, oh, like, okay. Like you don't, you can't tell much about a person from their profile. That's another aspect of it. Like you're basically putting up like a social media profile and like asking, do you like exactly. this person? And I think about, yeah. so I've actually, none of my exes are people who I've met in, on apps, even though I've used Same. the apps before intermittently. I like every, everybody I've dated, um, real life. somebody I've Which met is- in real life. Although right. now I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm newly back on the market and there go. <laughs> just downloaded the apps again and gonna yeah. see if it works for the 10th time, even though. I'm, I'm right there with you. Like I have never, anyone that I've dated, it's always been through some real life connection and whatever sporadic experience I had with the apps, I just found morally crushing. (laughs) And I was like, I'm off. I can't do this. It's It's so so exhausting. And I think like if somebody meets somebody on the app, like of course they're going to find the good in the process, right? The same way I find the bad in it. But Right. Um, to me, like even a quote, good result at the end, i.e. like dating somebody is just not worth what I find to be a really <laughs> unpleasant experience. Well, that's like, a- the ends do not justify the means as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's the thing. It's just not it's just not functional enough. And they haven't found I don't think they want to make it functional. I think they want to no. gamify it. Right. Gamify it. And also remember, the business model is based on engagement. Like they just care about you swiping and being on the apps. They do not give two shits if you actually go out with someone or find somebody. In fact, they don't want you to get off of it because then they lose subscribers. Right. So like when you see their business model incentives relative to yours being completely misaligned, I'm like, this just isn't oh, great. I know, I like but, but it does seem to be the primary mode of dating. It nowadays. is like everything. So true. Every like. 20, 30 something couple you meet is like, oh, we met on usually Hinge, Bumble or yeah. something. Like back to the thing is there's just so little you can actually tell about somebody yeah. from their profile. I mean, it's first of all, it's the best pictures of them usually. Yes. yes. It's what they want to show you. You can be in a room with somebody and you can just like look at them and you can kind of know. You've like how yeah, they yeah. move, yeah. how Chemistry. they kind of like hold themselves. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. how they smell when you get close enough. Um, their yeah. vibe. The chemistry but like there was a joke on uh amy schumer's old sketch show where she's like an app where you just like walk by somebody in the street and you say hey or like no thanks <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and you funny. won't have to waste your time on the date anyway that's yeah, hilarious that's funny yeah i mean but, yeah you you get that feel of chemistry for someone i mean if i think about who i did in the past like i don't think we would have necessarily clicked on an app do you get oh, what i'm saying like there's nothing yeah that- from on both sides, right? But when you actually meet in person, and I've also had like this also really bothers me. It's like I've had girlfriends, you know, kind of our our peers that are like, "Well, Sanaz, if you're not on the app, then like there's no other way to meet somebody." And I'm like, "Do you understand that that sounds like you're in a 
very, very toxic relationship with the dating. Like that is an abusive relationship definition. Well, if you leave me, you won't find someone. I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also like it. I don't know. Like you're very, you're also very good at talking to people and yes, like getting, like getting to know people. You're not shy. I would I just say, well, let's challenge it because if a system's not working for you and you're continuing to be in the system, like you're gonna lose. Do you get what I'm saying? Like. Dating apps are a business, and I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like the house always wins. So, ugh, ugh. <laughs> like, we're we're prisoners. <laughs> yeah, it just I don't know. And again, I'm 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 using a really negative no. kind of perspective here, but I uh, it's just personal experience. I'm like, some people love it, and like, good for you, enjoy it, have fun. I would rather go to the dentist than get on a dating app. So you know, I think I'm you have, have to. I think there's a certain type of person that's really good at it and they're very like systematic and they know when to leave a date and they don't put too much thought into it. And I think those are the people who go on like five dates a week and they're just like next. Um, But I find that to be a little bit emotionally exhausting. Okay. But I can't think that negatively now because I have to. Oh, that's true. I'm so sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. I mean, I think all those same things too. And like, I mean, I go through, I think a lot of people, this is common. A lot of people go through cycles. It's like, you're optimistic about it. And then you're just like, mm-hmm. oh no, I can't, I can't, like, I can't. I know. Um, like, I gotta give up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you give it like three months and you're like, okay, I'll try it again. Um, <laughs> that's why some like, so hinge, which is like the one that people do for relationships, well, they market themselves as the relationship app. And that's the one I've heard of most. Um, it, there's a reason why they, they they their subscriptions are in like three month intervals. <laughs> oh. you know, like, I I love the idea of like serendipity and I don't like yes. making dating a numbers game. It makes me <laughs> upset. But Not, it, like, it affects yeah. like if you can I, I've definitely seen this with guys where they don't have to face rejection of actually talking to you in person because they can just mm. hide behind the app. You know what I mean? Like why would they go out of their way to talk to somebody in public? So like, I just feel like it's affected our socializing too, in a sad way. Like it doesn't even have Mm. to be a date, but like people just don't chat. Maybe that's why all the guys who I've met like in public have been a little narcissistic. (laughs) Probably because in this society, they're the only ones left who would be willing to go out there. (laughs) They're like, like, I'm great. Hey girl, what's up? Want to get a drink? Yeah. I mean, I was living in London before these like swiping apps came out. And then I was in like a long term relationship while it all was like going gangbusters. And then when I got out of that relationship again was single again, sort of like post app world, it felt completely different. Like the landscape had completely changed. And I was like, whoa, what is this? So if I could take one thing off the internet, it would be dating apps. (laughs) So Tinder came to the US in 2013, I think. 2012. No, 20, 2012. 2012. 2012. Because okay, last so- year was the 10-year anniversary, and the New York Times did a big expose on like 10 years later. How do we feel? And it's like conclusion, more bad than good. Okay. So I yeah. thought about this in terms of dating. Like, I'm like, I think about the guys who I've had like medium to long-term relationships with. And I think about my friends, right? And I mm-hmm. think about what if you showed me like the profiles of the people who are my closest friends or just show mm-hmm. me like the profiles of just like an array of people. Would I be able to pick out the people who would be my closest friends? No. Would I be, not. would I be able to pick out accurately the guys who I like would actually get along with? Nope. No, no. Zero. And so like, Zero. that's why it seems like such a, um, 
just mm-hmm. an inefficient matching method because I don't, I don't totally trust my own judgment. Me neither. That stuff. My own judgment, nor do I show I, to others. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but like in real life, sure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I, I couldn't pick my friends off with their resumes or their, you know, right. their photo albums. Right. Yeah. So Rachel, where do you think this is all going? Like, what's your prediction of the social media landscape in like a decade? You know, I used to be really good at this. I uh, mm. I formerly worked on a startup where we tried to create a healthier social media landscape. We did, mm-hmm. It was a really great project. Um, I was really proud of what we did on this, but it's a really difficult space. I think... It's difficult to tell now that it doesn't seem to be like a forward progression necessarily. Like people are stepping back a Mm -hmm. little bit. Um, People are becoming more conscious of uh, the negative aspects of social media. Like there's a lot of Gen Z people who are, you know, consciously disengaging. Um, I think that the authenticity of something like TikTok, the curation uh, the personalization. I think that there's good and bad things. So TikTok has like a very, like TikTok, somehow it like knew that I'm like into like the history of medieval queens, which is a very wow. specific nerdy interest. And like also like uh, skincare. <laughs> and then <laughs> if you look at two people's like TikToks, they will never look alike unless you just are into very generic things. But mm-hmm. like my stuff is like, it just like, TikTok gets me. Um, yeah, they're like, we know who this girl is. And I think that kind of like personalization of the algorithm is something that people are going to go more towards. Um, so interesting. But I think that there's like a, there's a plus side and a minus to it. I think the negatives are kind of unrealized, but you know, it kind of creates a uh, fragmentation. It's like, I can't talk about a TikTok to anybody, any of my friends, because most of them haven't seen the ones that I see. Right. I can, I can so share personal. it with them, but you can't talk about it in a group. Right. Unless right. you share it with the whole group and they all find, you know, whatever, your love of Elizabeth of York. The stuff is very specific and it's not necessarily as broad. I mean, I think that's generally the trend in media. I do think there will be less of the kind of fakey influencer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the metaverse. I think that that's, (laughs) I mean, the way it's been done by meta is so dorky, but there are some really interesting potential uses of VR and whatever meta experiences. But I just, I I don't think that like, that's like the way it's currently realized is not where Mm -hmm. it's going. Yeah. I see people being a little bit more reticent now. I think the the move away from or the the widespread skepticism towards social media mm-hmm. started around 2016 because mm-hmm. everybody realized that like that's what got Trump elected, and then right, and then you know, yeah, like you were saying, all of a sudden there's genocide in Myanmar. <laughs> yeah, you're like, how did we get here? Yeah, it's so powerful because people are like inherent humans are inherently social and people are fascinated with each other. So mm-hmm. it's, it, we're always going to be drawn towards learning more about each other. Right. Or like drawn right. towards one another. I, I just think that like, how do we create it in a way that's not going to destroy yeah. the rest of society? The world. 
Yeah. Yeah. What about, what about, what about you? Do you have, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be another, like, we just don't even know what it's going to be. We have no sense because this stuff has evolved so quickly in the last two decades. Um, I, I hope more and more people will want to prioritize in person, live, physical yeah. <laughs> contact in, in whatever new form this takes. Like, I really hope we don't go further and further into like this anonymous abyss of like the metaverse as we know it today. Like to me, that's yeah. just really depressing and clearly something that like a dude like Mark Zuckerberg wants for the future. And like, not someone like me who likes to look <laughs> into your eyes and have a conversation with you. You know what I mean? I would hope that we want to have better governance and sort of guardrails yes. around the dangerous stuff and just prioritize in-person things. Um, and like I said, if I could just wipe away the dating apps, <laughs> just to start there. Okay. Counterpoint, counterpoint, not to be Yes. Uh, to to your thing, the dating apps need to be abolished. So apparently, they are very, very good for older adults meeting. Partners. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. So people, you know, divorced, you know, middle aged, 50s, 60s, it's very, it's it's great for them to meet each other. That's so good. That's been one. That's, that's been one area where it's been really. Um, yeah, I just don't understand why somebody on a college campus needs that because yeah, like, that's. <laughs> Your age group oh, is ring so fenced weird. with you. Like, what are you doing? I remember it because Tinder so. was around when I was in grad school. And I remember we would just like swipe and like you'd find like your friends and you'd just yeah. like, swipe right on them. And you'd be like, lol. Like, lol this is, this is yeah, funny. This I already so know dumb. you. Um, so dumb. Anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. so let's see what happens in this big bad world. But we've been yeah. there in the front seat, it feels like, for, for all of it. So super exciting. Um, Rachel, what would be your recommendation for this week? Okay, so I have uh, two strains of recommendation. One is I always like to go back I, I like to look at future predictions from the past and like see how they panned out or like and see how prescient they were, especially people who are like especially prescient. I mean, some people are just really good at that. There's a guy named Jaron Lanier. So it's J-A-R-O-N-L-A-N-I-E-R. -E and mm -hmm. he's kind of this like, uh, he's a computer scientist by trade, but he's a writer and he, some people describe him as a futurist. Um, and he just has really insightful vision on tech and like what it's, where it's going. So his most recent book is on why we should delete all of our social media. So mm. he's on to something there probably. And yeah. maybe he has this pulse his, his I love how you're giving something. him credit, but not me. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, but he's he's somebody who I followed for a long time, and he I'm just kidding. I don't know. I always think it's cool to like look back on people's really prescient predictions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my other one is just a little more, little bit more accessible and current. It's a, a crooked media uh, podcast with John Favreau, um, one of Obama's old speechwriters. It's called um, Offline, and it's it just touches on a ton of different uh, aspects of uh, social media culture and how it affects us. There's, there's an episode about how like, can we leave our past? Like what is the effect of like being able to access our past constantly? Like being able to mm -hmm. like look at um, posts that we made like 10 years ago or pictures being able to like constantly draw upon that. And like, how does that like keep, like, does it hold us back? Um, yeah. 
what effects do like it, what effects does social, does social media internet have on politics? It's just about like being online and the those mm -hmm. kind of interactions. So it's a really good series. Um, what also, about you? My recommendation is a book by Nancy Joe Sales. And it's called Nothing Personal, My Secret Life in the Dating App Inferno. <laughs> um, this book was really fascinating because she was around like 49, 50 years old when she became single and then decided to go on the dating apps, but then turned into effectively a work assignment as a journalist. And it was both about her personal experiences being on it, but also all the extensive research she did around dating apps and just how dating has changed. So I just found it fascinating because, again, she delves into like the business models of these companies um it was just a really really interesting read so cool cool well um this was really fun this was great i loved exploring all this with you um i'm sure we'll have lots more to say in Absolutely. the future i'm sure we'll have a part two on this one because <laughs> it's a big one yeah all right well that's it for this week you guys uh join us next time until then see you later bye guys bye bye